Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 21. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. The Grant Thornton Professional Services Council 2018 Acquisition Survey is out. Now, I know reports are not normally news in and of themselves, but there are important components of what's going on in the acquisition landscape that are contained here, and that's what we're going to explore in FedHeads today. I beg to differ. Uh, as the proliferator, a lot of those reports, there's nothing but news in all of them. Um, I, I, okay, so the argument that we have constantly in editorial rooms when I've been on, in radio oh. and now in television you're, is— you're, you're, you're pulling the veil. Uh, aside. I'm, I'm giving people a window into the mentality of it. And the, the debate constantly is, is the work itself news, or is there something in the work that is news? Yes. And overwhelmingly, the school of thought inside editorial organizations is that the release of a survey or a report is not news itself, that it's the content that's contained therein that's important. And so... While I commend you and I commend our friend Alan Schwatkin, who's here with us from the Professional Services Council, on the work that you all have done, the news is the stuff that's in there. The news is the stuff that you found. Then I'm glad we're here to talk about that. This survey, I believe, is the ninth survey we've done with the Professional Services Council. There's no better place to document the evolution of policies impacting federal acquisition than this document. In addition to Alan, um, Eric Heffernan from Grant Thornton is here. It's nice to see you again, Eric. Thank you, Francis. Uh, appreciate you all being here. Uh, Alan, what's the goal of this, this survey when you take it every time? Well, we've been using this survey to evaluate the skills, capabilities of the federal workforce, the, the acquisition community itself. Uh, how do they view the current market? How do they view the current trends? And what are the things that are impacting their ability to do their job? And uh, as you said, this is the, the ninth biennial survey we've done, uh, and it's uh, a reflective of the, the, both the current marketplace as well as some of the uh, lessons that we've learned over a period of time. Who are you talking to, Eric? Who do you poll to get input from? Yeah, the good news about this survey is um, we track the same five key dimensions. Uh, each year we do the survey and largely uh, the same population of folks that include procurement executives as well as the frontline uh, procurement professionals that you know support uh, these critical civilian agencies across the federal government. So we get a very true sense of how policy is impacting their decisions as well as their behaviors in the overall procurement landscape. What did you learn in this year's compared to the last one, and what trend lines do you see over the last nine of the uh, total, including this year's that you've done? So Alan and I were just commenting uh, earlier that we've, we've got a, a, a task at hand in terms of coming up with what the imagery uh, will be for this year's survey because in years past, I think we had a guy on a tightrope, right. Um, right. somebody trying to cross a... a Was it a Alan? Chasm. <laughs> it, it might have been. It might have been Alan. That would have been great. A broken pencil, I believe, at one point. But, uh, you know, this year, Alan, I think you can comment on this as well, but... Uh, 
a tremendous sense of, of optimism uh, really showed up for us in this year's survey. We, we were uh, both uh, lucky and unlucky in one respect uh, because the survey was conducted right after the government shutdown this year. And uh, for, for some of the survey interviews, after the two-year budget agreement was put into place. And, and that created a sense of both relief and some optimism for the workforce that they had finally, after years of uncertainty and continuing resolutions and uh, workforce freezes, uh, began to get some stability and see some uh, predictability over the next two years. Uh, yet there was a guarded optimism, uh, pessimism uh, across thing, over things that they didn't control, uh, budgets most notably, the oversight community, things that are just out of their control, a, a greater depth of pessimism that things are going well in those areas uh, than things under their direct control. So over, over the last nine surveys, you know, we were talk we talked with the customer experience folks about the systems that get in the way of improving a customer experience. The acquisition community is beset by a lot of those same barriers, uh, the skills of the workforce, the ability to recruit and retain, the oversight of the um, uh, acquisition uh, community gets in the way of doing what's really best for the taxpayer. Talk about those barriers and whether you think there's uh, room to be optimistic about overcoming them. Well, there was a, the optimism that came across to me from the survey was uh, we had we were no longer uh, dealing with uh, apprentice contracting folks. Many of them had been at the job for several years. They felt confident in their own uh, work, uh, and to the extent that they were under had some control over that work environment, they felt comfortable about it. Uh, they they recognized the. Training was a limit, a real limitation. The workforce hiring and the barriers to bringing on uh, replacements or the two for one or all kinds of uh, different management techniques that were being used were all barriers that uh, that operated on their periphery. Uh, but as to their core responsibilities, I think they they that confidence showed through. Of if if left alone to my own devices, I can I can accomplish the goals that I want. Uh, where uh, I also saw uh, those external factors coming into play, however, was more and more uh, externalities being thrust, thrust upon them, uh, whether it was uh, do things smarter, do things, uh, bring more innovation to the marketplace. I, they didn't understand. Uh, many of them questioned, are we talking about innovation in my own activities? Are we talking about innovation process, innovation outcomes? And, and that lack of uh, clarity around roles and responsibilities added, I think, somewhat to their uh, to the discomfort of the, about, uh, about their, their own mission and execution. Alan kind of anticipated mm. where I wanted to go next, which was what – the workforce, what does the workforce need the most from whether it's overseers, from their managers, uh, maybe even from industry, serving them, working with them to be able to do their jobs better according to the, the questions that you ask them? So we ask that question every year in terms of what are the, what are the 
largest uh, barriers to you being able to effectively operate within your roles and responsibilities. Uh, the top three, I'll just I'll just pick on them. The first being uh, acquisition reform, and acquisition reform has been talked about in this town for for decades. I think the 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 809 panel is about to release some of their findings. Uh, they were looking for some regulatory relief, but as well as some things like GSA is doing right now in terms of implementing an e-commerce marketplace. All these things, in addition to um, reskilling their own acquisition workforce are barriers that, that we continue to see. But I think just to echo what Alan said, um, the biggest inhibitor really is fear and fear of protest and fear of oversight. Not actually the protest itself, but the eventuality that that may occur is, is really weighing heavily on our procurement workforce. The concept of acquisition reform is interesting, and I don't think you could find anybody that would say we should keep the system exactly as it is. So there must be a commonality of agreement that acquisition reform is necessary. Beyond that, Mm -hmm. do we agree, do they agree on what that should look like and what effective reform is on the other end? Or is that, are there different opinions all over the map about what good acquisition reform consists of? I, I think it's varied in terms of their opinions. But one thing is clear is that in lack of reform and policy updates, you know, the procurement executive community continues to innovate, you know, and and we have several examples of things that they're doing, whether that be reverse industry days, um, you know, enhanced debriefing, uh, the, the Mythbusters campaign, there's a lot of things that, you know, this, this workforce should be proud of that really, in, in lieu of major reform, um, trying to do better uh, at their given roles and responsibilities. Uh, one of the key takeaways that I had in, in that area, Francis, is around communications. Mm-hmm. I think overwhelmingly the members felt more empowered to communicate. Uh, They thought that the quality of the communication, both intra-governmental as well as between government and contractors, was getting better, and that there was the opportunity for it to be better. Uh, But all recognized that there was quite a ways to go to to achieve that end state for them. Uh, I don't think there's many that had a long laundry list of additional regulations that they'd like to see. Yes, they'd love fewer regulations and fewer laws, um, but uh, essentially felt empowered, if if empowered to do the job, felt confident that they had the resources to do so. So if they're optimistic going forward, guardedly, as you say, what do you think the future holds? We've got a midterm election coming up, uh, NDAA appropriations, both should be enacted here pretty shortly. How will that storm of factors impact this community? It seems to me that the two-year budget agreement, more than any other factor, uh, it provides a degree of stability and, uh, and predictability for this workforce. Uh, and allows them to focus on the achieving the the work that they need to to accomplish, and so the midterm elections will will come and go, and there'll be changes in um, in, in Congress uh, that have day to day little impact on that workforce. I believe uh, 
the the NDAA individual provisions will have impacts on uh, certain selected segments of the community. Uh, I think the the overall appetite for reform is as strong as I've seen it on the Hill. Uh, I think the the desire for uh, for change within the executive branch is as strong as I've seen it. Uh, both uh, both within the uh, procurement leadership and in the frontline areas. And so uh, I see the next 18 months as really being at the, um, uh, the, the best opportunity for long-term improvements in the, both the success of the acquisition workforce uh, as well as in the uh, mission execution. So you think we'll get some real important statutory reforms? Uh, I'm not so sure we'll get significant statutory reforms. And we're at the Professional Services Council. We've got a very strong acquisition reform agenda we've been pushing, uh, both in the Congress and on the regulatory side. Uh, I I think these are all to to help enable uh, the acquisition workforce to do its job better. Uh, I think it's really removing barriers make, rather than uh, significantly increasing the opportunities for them to, to do their job directly better. Eric, as we finish up, mm-hmm. I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago. You were talking about reverse industry days and things like that that agencies are doing. Since there's kind of a vacuum of uh, edicts saying you can or can't do this or you should do this or whatever, is it possible that the lesson to be learned from that for the acquisition community is go ahead and try stuff? You have a lot more latitude than maybe you thought you had because of the FAR or the DFARS. You can do more than you've been doing historically. Is that reasonable for the acquisition community to think about and maybe gives them some latitude to be able to be more creative, more imaginative? I, I think that's I think that's right. I think uh the more we can do as a community to to recognize and celebrate uh, when those in innovations are enacted, uh, we see a lot of opportunity uh, for that uh, in the future, whether that be shared services or whether that be um, actually implementing category management uh, as a best practice. Uh, so I think the more that we um, acknowledge uh, these individuals that are, are acting with innovation and with intention, uh, the more we'll see. And that goes and that goes to the risk question, the the fear of uh, of success or the fear of failure uh, on the acquisition workforce. And while well, lots of individual activities are taking place, innovation uh, all over government uh, and and the spot basis. Uh, it is still a workforce that's that's working under uh, very tight constraints. So I know you want to wrap up, uh, but a little bit about the Professional Services Council. I work with a lot of organizations, and I don't know of one that provides better insights for its members or is a stronger advocate for its members' interests. Do you want to – I mean, we're all about government arcana, and y'all, you're at the center of it. <laughs> You're, you yourself are government arcana, Alan. Wow. Um, so you Is want that to, a compliment? 
That is a compliment. Okay. Uh, I Alan, wasn't sure. Alan, <laughs> Alan should know he's a legend by now. Do you want to talk a little bit about your organization? Well, I appreciate it, but uh, you were doing such a great job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should compete with that. Um, uh, Professional Services Council as a national trade association, our, our primary mission is as an advocate for uh, the government uh, pr professional services and technology industry. And so uh, our, our mission is to help the government be a smarter buyer. Uh, to put the, uh, our industry in a position of providing the goods and services that the government needs in a, in a timely manner and with, uh, with high quality. And so we, uh, we focus on uh, both uh, as an advocate uh, for the process, for improvements in the process, both in the executive branch and the legislative branch. Uh, we work uh, closely on networking uh, with uh, engagements with uh, government officials at all levels. This acquisition policy survey is another way in which we engage with uh, the acquisition community directly to, to give them a voice to, uh, for what they're doing. Uh, and we facilitate uh, engagement. Uh, so we, we work with the federal agencies all the time on their initiatives. Um, all, all with the goal of making the government a smarter buyer. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity, and we, we welcome uh, participation and engagement by others. Alan, it's great to see you again. We've, we've talked before we started. We've known each other for a long time. You and Robert have known each other for a long time. It's great to see you again. Thank you. Eric, it's nice to see you, too. Thanks for coming back Thanks and again. Uh, talking to us on FedHeads. Uh, FedHead Robert Shea. Thank you both for coming. Enjoyed the conversation. Thank, thank you, Francis. Thank you, as always. Thanks for listening to the FedHeads, brought to you by Grand Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.